hello and welcome to the podcast of Chesapeake Baptist Church. Thanks for tuning in. This is our final message in our month-long series of messages uh, about Christmas. The title of this series has been the original Christmas playlist, and this last message is called Simeon Song. So, hope you enjoy. Luke chapter 2 this morning. For the past month, we've been working our way through Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, going through the Christmas story here. And uh, we, started with the, we started with Mary, and then we went on to Zacharias, and then we talked about the song of the angels, and now we're going to talk about the song of a man named Simeon. So Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be begin reading in verse number 25 in just a second. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 25. And the title of the message this morning is Simeon's Song. And let's read the Bible. The Bible says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Simeon's song. Let's pray one last time. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for all you've done for us today. Dear Lord, I pray that you'd show us some truths in the Bible. Lord, I pray that we can take this, the experience of this man, Simeon. I pray that we can take his experience and that we can apply that to our lives. And it can teach us something about the Christ child that came on that Christmas day so many years ago. Thank you for everything you've done for us. Be with us this morning. For as this in Jesus Christ's precious name I pray. Amen. You know what a popular thing this, these days is? A popular thing for people to talk about is people like to talk about what's on your bucket list. What is on your bucket list? Some people, uh, some people their bucket list, list is skydiving. You know, I, I'm not going to skydive. I'm not going to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. And if I did, I wouldn't be sure the parachute would hold me. So I'm not going to go skydiving, but some people, their bucket list, oh, I want to go skydiving at least once before I die. Other people, their, their, their bucket list might be to see Paris. Oh, I want to see Paris one day. I want to see the Eiffel Tower. Some people are like, I want to climb a mountain. I want to go climb, climb Mount Everest. Oh, I always like the sto- I would love the story of the man, from, the first man from Tennessee to ever climb Mount Everest. You know, they always put a flag on top of, top of Mount Everest, and usually whatever state you're from or whatever country you're from, that's the flag you put up. Well, the man from, first man from Tennessee, you know what flag he put up there? Sea Rock City flag. 
That's what I like. I like that. See Rock City. And uh, so uh, the, because uh, I always went to Rock City growing up. But anyway, that aside, back to the message. Uh, but what, I, I tell you one thing that I would like to do before I die is I'd like to go to Australia. I, I'd love to see Australia. You know, it's like James Garner in that movie, Support Your Local Sheriff. All he wanted to do throughout the movie was go to, go to Australia. I'd love to go to Australia, see a kangaroo and a koala bear. Uh, but, you know, these are things on people's, on people's bucket lists. But let me ask you a question. What would prompt you to say the words, okay, now I'm ready to die? Okay, that's it. I've seen it. I've done it. Now I'm ready to go. What would prompt us to say that? Because that's exactly what Simeon said. That's exactly, he, he said, uh, he, he, was just, he was just a satisfied old man. He had seen what he had wanted to see. He, is, he, he had done what he, what, he, what, he, what he was called to do. It was over. It was done. And guess what? Now he was ready to go. He was at peace. And he was ready to move on to the next life because he had done what, he, what God wanted him to do. And he had seen what God wanted him to see. Our journey this month through the Christmas story ends with this man named Simeon. Let's take a look at what he has to add to this narrative and to this story. I want you to look at three thoughts this morning, three thoughts that God tells us through Simeon at the end of his road. Because Simeon, Simeon's at the end of his road. And these are three thoughts that God tells us through the life, through the end times of Simeon. Uh, let's look right here at the first verse again, verse number 25. The first thing I want to show you is this. Number one this morning, we have the treasures of a godly life. We have the treasures of a godly life. Number one this morning, verse number 25, let's read that. Whose name was Simeon, the same man was just and devout. Now, historians have, have looked through text and, and looked through Josephus and other things like that. And historians have come to know that around this same time, there was a president of the Sanhedrin whose name was Simeon. So some people have speculated that this man, Simeon, was actually the president of the Sanhedrin at the time. We don't know that. It's just a guess. We really don't know. He's probably just a regular guy. It wouldn't surprise me if he was just a regular guy. But you know what? He could, this, 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 he was a, could have been the president of Sanhedrin, but you know we, we, we really don't know for sure. Well, let me tell you what we do know about Simeon. What we do know about Simeon is that he was just and devout. What does that mean? That means that he was a holy man. That means that he was a good man. That means he was a man who feared God. That means he was a man who avoided evil. He was righteous before men, and he was devout and holy before God. Now, that's something we do know about him. I may not know, I may not know if he was a president of the Sanhedrin or not, but I know he was a good man. I know he loved the Lord. I know he feared God. I know he, I know he avoided evil because the Bible says he was just and he was devout. Man, can we say that about us? Can we say that we're just and devout like Simeon was? The verse continues waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting. He had a job to do. He was doing something. He was waiting around for the consolation of Israel. You know what the consolation of Israel is? Consolation of Israel is a name that was used to refer to the Messiah. 
In fact, in the Old Testament, several times they called the Messiah the Comforter. Lamentations 1.16, For these things I weep, mine eye, mine eye runneth down with water, because the Comforter that should relieve my soul is far from me. So he's waiting for this consolation of Israel. He's waiting for the Comforter to come. He's waiting on the Messiah. So he's not just sitting around doing nothing. He's sitting around. He's, 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 he's preparing. He's making ready. He's getting himself ready. And he's getting his family ready. And he's getting his church ready. And he's getting his community ready. He's gearing up because he knows the Messiah's coming. What about us? I want to tell you something. He's coming back. He's coming back. One day the eastern sky is going to split wide open and Jesus is going to come to this earth again. And one day his toes are, toes are going to touch down this earth again. Before that, we're going to be called up. Hey, he's coming back. Are we waiting for him? Are we just sitting down, just living our life? Oh, but not, not Simeon. Simeon knew he was coming. And Simeon was looking. You know what? It may not happen in our lifetime, but we still need to be looking. We still need to be looking. You know what's fun? I, I, I was a children's pastor for seven years. And when I would talk about, the, I've used this illustration before, but when I would talk about the second coming with kids, I'd take my keys off. I'd hold them up. And I'd say, now kids, there's a chance that the Lord Jesus could come back before these keys hit the ground. And it's so silent, you can hear a pin drop. And then I drop the keys. The kids just, they waiting for it. And I just broke my key. I did. Praise the Lord. But anyway, and so, you know, we need to be ready. We need to be ready for the Lord to come back. We need to be ready for it. Because what was Simeon do? He was waiting for the constellation of Israel. The verse continues, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. This was a pre-Pentecost Holy Ghost filled man. So what does that immediately tell us? That immediately tells me that Simeon had a job to do. You see, because in the Old Testament, that's the only time the Holy Spirit would fill someone and stay on them is that they had a job to do. So that tells me immediately that Simeon was a man who had a job to do. That's the beauty of, of living a godly life is you have a job to do. You have something that you're waiting for and you have something to do. Simeon had a job to do. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And not only that, not only was he filled with the Spirit, but we're going to see in a little bit that Simeon obeyed the Spirit. It's one thing to be filled with the Spirit. It's another thing to obey the Spirit of God. Bible, let's read verse number 26. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death. You know, this, this revelation, it wasn't told to him by a, uh, by a dream like the wise men were, were warned. Simeon wasn't told in a dream like the wise men were. Simeon wasn't told by an angel of God like Joseph was. You know another thing that didn't happen? Simeon didn't hear a voice from heaven. Hey, you know what the Jews call that? The Jews call that the both call. The both call. When you, when you hear a voice from heaven, it's called the both call. Hey, he didn't get the both call. He didn't get a voice from heaven. You know how, you, you know how he found this out? 
a still small voice spoke to his heart. It was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. That's the same way the Holy Spirit talks to me and you. Same way the Holy Spirit talks to us. Hey, hey, the Holy Spirit might not tell, an angel might not tell us and we might not hear a voice from heaven and we might not hear it in a dream, but just like Simeon, the Holy Spirit's going to talk to us in a still, small voice. And he doesn't talk to your ear. He speaks to your heart. He speaks, he speaks into your heart. So how do you know, uh, 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 how, how do you know uh, it's the Holy Spirit? Well, if you're not listening for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's not going to talk to you. You've got to listen for it. You've got to hear it. You've got to put your ear to the ground. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Are you listening for him? Are you listening for him telling you what to do? That's what Simeon did. Simeon was listening to the Holy Spirit because it was revealed to him. If he hadn't have been listening, he wouldn't have heard it. If he would have been quenching the Holy Spirit, if he'd have been pouring water on that fire and quenching the Holy Spirit, he wouldn't have heard the Holy Spirit. But he heard the Holy Spirit because he was listening. The verse continues, before he had seen the Lord's Christ, it was revealed in him of the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Do you know what Christ means? It's not just Jesus' last name. It's not Mr. Christ. Okay, the word Christ means anointed. It means anointed. This man was told by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he saw the anointed one of Israel. That same anointed one that the Bible talks about in Psalms 45, 7. Thou lovest righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Now, let me tell you something today. This revelation that Simeon got, this revelation today is given to everyone, every one of us. Every person need not see death until by the eye of faith they see the Christ of God. I, I, don't, I, I, until, until I, I don't need to see death if I, if I use my eye of faith and see Christ. I don't need to see death. See, uh, every person is given us. Let's go on to verse number 27. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. The Holy Spirit impressed upon him that day to go in the temple. Let me ask you a question. What if he decided to quench the Spirit that day? What if he would have said, no, you know what? I don't feel that great. What if he said, no, I, I stubbed my big toe. I stubbed my big toe and I just, I can't make it there today. I just can't do it. I got other stuff to do. I got, I got things going on. I got irons in the fire. I got places I got I, I, I to gotta be at. I got people I got to talk to. I just can't do it today. What if he would have said no? Then he would have missed an opportunity. He would have missed what God had for him. The next time the Holy Spirit tells you to witness to someone, you think long and hard before you say no. The next time you see someone that needs help and you want to walk away after the Holy Spirit's done told you to help that person, think about those consequences. Think about what's going to happen if you tell the Holy Spirit no. You know why not listening to the Holy Spirit is called quenching the Holy Spirit? Because it's like taking it's like taking water and pouring it on a fire. 
And just the more water you pour on that fire, the weaker that fire gets. And the weaker it gets. And the weaker it gets. Until sun, so it's going to come soon, you can't even tell there's a fire anymore. You can say no to the Holy Spirit so much that the Holy Spirit gets tired of talking and he shuts up. He doesn't leave you. You're saved. He'll indwell your body for all of eternity, but he'll quit talking to you if you quit listening. So you know what? When the Holy Spirit talks to us, we need to do what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. And that's exactly what he did. He came to the Spirit. He, he, was, he came in by the Spirit into the temple. He listened to the Holy Spirit. And guess what? He did God's will for his life. Let's continue. Verse number 27. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Now, there are people that think that this took place eight days after Jesus' birth. But in actuality, the circumcision after eight days, really the only person who could have brought him to that circumcision was Joseph. See, because Mary, according to Jewish law, Mary was unclean 40 days after she gave birth. So Joseph was the only one that brought him to the temple because Mary wasn't allowed in the temple. Okay, so 40 days after she gave birth, she was unclean. Now, maybe on day, I don't know if it was day 40 or day 41. Now it was time for them to come to the temple. And now it was time to give them the, give them the sacrifice. And what they did is they gave, uh, uh, they gave turtle doves because they were poor. They're very poor. They didn't have a lot of money, so they brought uh, so they brought the turtle doves in to make an offering. Bible says in Luke two twenty three and twenty four, and when the eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus. Joseph Joseph brought Jesus to the temple by himself, which was so named the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him into Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So all this takes place after 40 days, after she was uh, uh, pure, after a purification, she was no longer unclean. That's when this happened. Verse number 28. Then took he up in his arms and blessed God and said, let's stop right there. Then he took him up in his arms. Some think that, that Simeon was a priest, and that's why he blessed them. Once again, we don't know that. More, I, I kind of think he was just a regular guy. He's just a regular guy. You know why? Because God uses regular people. God uses regular You ain't got to be wealthy. You ain't got to have a lot of money. You ain't got to have a lot of resources. You ain't got to have a lot of stuff like that. You just got to be willing to work. You just got to be willing to put your hand to the plow. He was a just man who loved the Lord and gave his life to fulfill God's will. Let me tell you something. That's a treasure that money can't buy. Let's look back at what we see about Simeon. We see uh, that he was a just man. We see that he was a devout man to God. We see that not only was he filled by the Holy Spirit of God, he had a job to do, but we also see he was led by the Spirit of God. Treasures of a godly life. Number two, my next point this morning is we're going to talk about the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of the gospel. This is verses 29 through 32. Let's read verse number 29. Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. Now the word Lord here in this passage 
It's an interesting word used to describe the Lord. Usually when you say the word uh, Lord, the word is kurios. It's usually the word when you describe Lord. But here it's a different word. Here the word for Lord, it's, it's despotes. Despotes, it's, it's seldom used to describe God, but it's used in reference to a master and a slave. Simeon calling the Lord by this name was saying, you're the master and I am the slave. In fact, a few words later, he even calls himself a servant. Now let us, thy servant, depart in peace according to his word. Simeon saw himself as a servant. Simeon saw himself as a slave. What was he a slave to? What was he a servant to? He was a slave. He felt imprisoned in his body. You see, he had, he, he had felt... Uh, uh, he knew that uh, he was held in bondage inside the prison of his earthly body. You see, now that God's will was accomplished in his life, he was at peace. And he was ready for that glorified body. He was ready to let go of the body that was withered by age and riddled with pain. He was ready to leave that behind. He had fulfilled what God wanted him to fulfill. He had done what God wanted him to do and now he was ready to go. Verse number 30, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Think about this. Simeon could not die in peace until he had seen the Lord's salvation. Man, this is true for us. We can neither die in peace until we see the Lord's salvation. If you die without the Lord's salvation, then you don't die in peace. You don't. Salvation is a beautiful thing. Think about your salvation for a second. Picture where you were. Picture where your life was. Picture what you were going through when you decided to give your life to God. When you decided to invite Jesus in your heart. And remember the peace that washed over you when that happened. Remember the fact and the knowledge in your head knowing that you're never going to see hell, that you're going to go to heaven and you're going to see the Lord Jesus Christ and you're going to see your saved family in heaven and you'll be with them for all of eternity. Let me tell you something. Salvation is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Verse number 31. Which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. You see, Jesus says what thou hast prepared. Jesus is the author of salvation. Jesus is the author of salvation, and there is no salvation in any other. No salvation in any other. Acts 4.12, neither is there any salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the only way. He is the only way. 1 John 5, 12. I love this verse. Verse, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You either hath the Son and hath life, or you hath not the Son and you hath not life. It is that simple. It is that easy. The children can understand that. You have the son, you have life. You have not the son, you have not life. There are people that try to find salvation in other ways and other paths and they're wrong. You can't get salvation anywhere else. Isaiah 52, 10, the Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. If you'll notice... 
No other religion, no other religion is for all people. All other religions are localized just for those people. But Christianity is the only religion that's just for everybody. We want everybody to have it. Verse number 32, the Bible says, a light to lighten the Gentiles. Now, if you don't know, anybody that isn't a Jew is a Gentile. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. And often in the Bible, Gentiles are referred to as being in darkness. Not only in the darkness of ignorance, but in the darkness of idolatry. Okay, so Gentiles are referred to in the Bible as being in this darkness. We see in the New Testament that Paul was called to go to the Gentiles and turn them from darkness to light. And who is the light? Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light. So uh, this is all about salvation. Next it says here, and the glory of thy people, Israel. We've talked about this several times over these past two chapters, but the Lord keeps bringing it up. All the earth belongs to the Lord, but Israel, Israel is God's son. Israel, Israel's God's chosen people. Uh, to them, the Messiah was promised, and to them, the Messiah was born. Let me read for you Romans 9, 4, and 5. Who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers and of whom is concerning the flesh of Christ Cain, who is all over, God blessed forever. Amen. Let me tell you something. Salvation is a beautiful thing this morning. And when he, when Simeon saw the salvation of God, he was ready to go. He was ready. He was prepared. He, and, and us, when we, see the sal when we receive the salvation of God, guess what? That's us preparing too. Let me ask you a question. Are you prepared? Every Sunday I offer in the, in the invitation, I say, if there's anybody in here that's not saved, come down here. And I'm talking to the same people every week. I might have a visitor here, 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 and, and, here and now. But you know what? There still could be someone in here that's lost. There could be someone in here that each week you hear me giving the invitation. If you're not saved, come down. I'll take a Bible and show you how. And every week you might be pulled to do it. But for some reason, you say no. Don't say no today. What better time to receive Jesus than Christmas time? Because that's when he was born. You can be born again as well. There could be someone lost in here today. Don't leave that way. Don't go to hell from Chesbro Baptist Church. Receive Christ if you've never received Christ today. Why? Because salvation is a beautiful thing. Number three this morning. Number three. Next we have the cost of following Christ. The cost of following Christ. This is verses 33 through 35. The cost of following Christ. Let's read verse number 33. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Joseph and Mary walked in there and were like, how in the world could this guy know this about us? 
Now, they, they weren't marveled at the revelation about the child being the Christ and the Messiah. They already knew that. They were just marveled. How in the world does this guy know us? How is it we never seen this guy before? But he's coming to us and telling us all this stuff God must have told him. It's the only explanation. Verse number 34, And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. It says here, the fall. Many in Israel, like I said last week, many in Israel, they expected a temporal prince to set up a temporal kingdom. But guess what? They were disappointed. That didn't happen. See, those are the ones that rejected him. And those are the ones that fell into destruction. Through Jesus' ministry, many people were knocked down a few pegs by Jesus' preaching. Jesus had a tendency to do that. Jesus had a tendency to put people in their place. You know what? The nation rejected him. And the nation put him to death. And as judgment, that nation fell into the hands of the Romans. Man, it wasn't soon after they put Jesus to death. You know what? The Romans, they came in there. Thousands perished. Thousands were held captive. The nation was, the nation was rushed into ruin. The temple was destroyed and the Jewish people were scattered throughout the whole earth. They were scattered everywhere. The fall. But then it says, rise again. See, however, the poor and the humble were willing, that were willing to receive him would receive a pardon from their sin and receive a pardon of peace and they would ascend into eternal life. Let me read for you Isaiah 8, 14 and 15. And he shall be for a sanctuary before stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel and for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. You see, Jesus will be a stone over which someone will fall. Jesus is a stone over which some will stumble and perish. Hey, he is a stone that the builders rejected. And if you don't accept Christ and if you're not for him and you reject him, then he, he is a stone. He is going to be a stone that you will trip over and a stone that you will get destroyed on. But if you're not, if you're not one of those who reject him, and if you're one of those to accept him, then he's not a stone for you to stumble over. He's a stone for you to stand on. And when you stand on that stone, and when you climb up on that stone, you will rise again. Not only spiritually, but one day physically as well. Bible says in Luke 1, 51 through 53, he hath showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath sent empty away. What is Jesus to you today? Is Jesus a stone for you to stumble over or is he a stone for you to stand on? Is he a stone for you to rise again spiritually? Hey, you know what? This next, if this next is interesting, it says, the verse continues, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. The Lord Jesus would become an object of contempt and rejection by most people, especially the Jews. He would be despised, and his, his religion would be despised, and his followers would be despised, and we would become a mark for those who would curse 
and ridicule. If they were going to curse and ridicule Jesus, then they curse and ridicule us. Hey, get ready for it, Christian. Get ready for it. They curse and ridiculed him. They're going to curse and ridicule us. They're going to curse and ridicule this book. They're going to curse and ridicule our people. They're going to curse and ridicule this church house. They're going to curse and ridicule us. They're doing it today. They put it on YouTube. They plaster it all over the internet. They put it on the news and do nothing but tear us down. Why? Because we're associated with Christ. We're so they were associated with him. I got worked up and lost my place. Acts, 22, Acts 28, 22. But we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest. As for concerning this sect, we know that everywhere is spoken against. What that is, that's Paul's people. And Paul's people, Paul has come up to his people, and Paul's people is asking Paul. They're saying, look, we want to know what you think. We know what everybody else around us thinks. We know everybody around us hates us. We know everybody else talks bad, bad, bad about us. But what do you think, Paul? See, even Paul's people knew that uh, Paul's people knew that they were getting spoken against and that people didn't like them. If any prophecy was fulfilled here that Simeon said, this prophecy is fulfilled in today's society. It is fulfilled. Why? Because thousands have rejected the gospel and fell into ruin. And still thousands are ashamed of him. Thousands are ashamed of the gospel today. They blaspheme him. They deny him. They speak all manner of evil against him. There are people out there that say that the reason we're not jumping from star to star today is because Christianity and the Bible has impeded progress that much. That's why we're not, why we're not so advanced. It's because of Christianity. It's Jesus' fault. They say that. Hey, let me tell you something. If Jesus were to come back today, there's a group out there that would crucify him all over again. In a heartbeat, they would do it. March him through the center of town and put it on TV. They wouldn't hesitate. Hey, but you know what? There are those today who are not like that. There is still a remnant that is renewed, justified, and raised up to life in peace. Good old boys might show up with some guns if that happens. You know what? He will be spoken against. You get ready for it. This church will be spoken against. There's a cost. This people will be spoken against. You, personally, personally, you will be attacked for being a Christian. It's coming. You be ready for it. It's going to happen because there is a cost for following Christ. Verse number 35, this next phrase, it says, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also. This prophecy it was directed directly at Mary. This was Mary's prophecy. This was just for her. It was her little thing. It was her little warning to get ready. And guess what? It was fulfilled as well. You know, maybe this prophecy was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 2 when Herod tried to kill that baby. When Herod, when they were fleeing Herod and, 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 and Mary knew that her baby's life was in jeopardy, maybe that's when a sword pierced through her soul. Maybe a sword pierced through her, uh, pierced through her soul in Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, you know, she had lost him for a whole day and was looking around and couldn't find him and then found him in a temple. I was watching this TV show the other day and they showed this search party 
They had, this, this mom had lost her little three, four-year-old baby girl in the woods, and it, was, it had been three days. And they were no longer looking for a person. They were looking for a body. This is no longer a rescue. This is now a recovery. And sure enough, they heard a little whimper and went over and found that baby girl in, the, in a bush. After three days in the woods, and the cops were happy. And you couldn't imagine the joy on the mom's face. She was a single mom. You can imagine the joy on her face when, they, when the cops brought, when the police officers brought, brought that baby to her. But you know what? Could you imagine the terror that she went through those three days? Man, sheer terror. Maybe that was a point where Mary got pierced through. Or, you know, maybe a, a sword pierced through her own soul in, in Luke chapter 4. Maybe it was in Luke chapter 4 when the people of her own city, people she grew up with, people she knew and loved, people that maybe babysat her when she was a kid, these are the same people that wanted to take her son and throw him off a cliff. These were her people. This is the people of her hometown. Maybe that cut Mary to the core. Maybe it cut her in Matthew chapter 12. The Bible says she was walking up on Jesus, but she walked up on Jesus just in time to hear the leaders of the day, the religious leaders of the day, call her son, not the son of God, but the son of the devil. Maybe that cut Mary. But you know what? We know for sure this was no doubt fulfilled in John 19, 26. John 19, 26, she stood by the cross. She heard the blasphemous words of the priests and the people, the revilings that they directed at her son. And she looked up on that cross and she saw her son draw his last breath. No doubt that is when a sword pierced through her soul. The verse continues that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now, this is the truth that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pound home today. I want you to take this home with you. Jesus has a tendency to bring out people's true nature. He has a tendency to do that. The scribes and the Pharisees, they talked of a Messiah. They pretended to be religious and righteous. But when the Messiah came, guess what? They rejected him. So many other people followed Jesus around. Multitudes of people, thousands of people followed Jesus around when he come on the scene. But they were expecting a temporal king. They were expecting a temporal kingdom. And when that, that, when that didn't happen, they started to drop off and they started to go away and they started to quit following to the point where Jesus turned around, saw only his 12 disciples and said to them, will ye also leave me? You know, it would, even, even Peter's true nature, even Peter's true nature came out. Peter's true nature came out when the cock crew three times. Hey, you know what? Judas's nature, nature was revealed as well. He was fooling everybody. He had everybody fooled. But you know what? There are other natures that were revealed to be pure. Let's look at John. 
John's nature was revealed to be pure. Why? Because he was the only disciple at the crucifixion. He was it. Everybody else was too afraid to come, but not John. John's true nature was revealed. You know who else's true nature was revealed was Joseph of Arimathea. Even though he was a Pharisee, even though people was watching him like a hawk, he didn't care. What did he do when it was over? He went and he asked for the body of Christ so he could go and bury it properly. And he didn't care who saw him. He didn't care who knew about it. Hey, you know what? Joseph of Arimathea's true nature was revealed. You see, when Christ comes into the picture, wicked men and hypocrites, their nature's revealed. Good men and women are made manifest. You see, nothing brings out the true nature of a sinner than for you to mention the name of Christ. Just in casual conversation, you mention out of the blue, you find a way to bring up Jesus into the conversation, you say his name, and you watch that other person's face. You watch it. They're going to react. Somebody may give you a, a pious platitude and may try, to, may try to pull wool over your eyes and put on a mask and facade, but when Jesus comes into the picture, their true nature is going to come out. Their true nature is going to be revealed. Many will treat him with silence and contempt. Many will, will want to gnash their teeth. Many will be ready to curse him. But when you mention the name of Jesus to someone and they... When you mention the name of Jesus to someone and they slam the door in your face. Or when you mention the name of Jesus to someone and they hang up the phone on you. Or you mention the name of Jesus to someone and they turn their back on you. Or you mention the name of Jesus to someone and they hold up their hands and say no. Without even knowing it, they're fulfilling scripture. Without even knowing it, they're fulfilling what the Bible says is going to happen. Especially, eventually, each person... What each person thinks of Christ in the gospel is discovered. What's your reaction when Jesus is mentioned? What's your reaction when someone brings Jesus up into a conversation? Now, i got three questions for you. Number one, is your life a treasure because you've dedicated it to God and his will? Is it? Number two, does the beauty of his salvation fill your life? Because you have the salvation of God in your life and you are saved. Number three, are you prepared for the cost of serving Christ? Are you prepared for the cost? Because trust me, it's going to cost you. It is going to cost you. You will be spoken out against and your true nature will be revealed. Are you ready to pay the cost of serving Christ? Simeon was ready to go. Man, God had revealed, the Holy Spirit had revealed to Simeon that he was going to see the he was going to see the Christ. He was going to see the Messiah. He had lived his life. He was old with age. He was riddled with pain. He was a, a slave inside this body. But he reached out and he grabbed Christ and he held that baby up and he blessed it and he knew this was his will. This was the will of God. He saw in that baby, he saw the salvation of God. He saw the redemption of his people. He knew it was beautiful. And he told them, be ready. It's gonna, this is going to cost you something. You're going to have to pay a price to serve God. Are you ready to pay that price today? Are you satisfied with your life right now? Just go, going day to day? Or do you want to you understand that God has a will for us? 
God has a purpose for us. He has a reason for us to be here. We can't go in peace if we don't, we don't do that, if we don't fulfill that purpose. Man, what if, what if Simeon would have missed his opportunity? What if he did not listen to the Holy Spirit? Next time the Holy Spirit talks to you, listen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know what you need today. I didn't really have a, uh, an aim. I was just going through the scripture, pulling out some truths that the Lord showed me. But maybe something today hits you. Maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit said something today. Maybe I said something, the Holy Spirit pricked your heart a little bit. Maybe you heard a verse in the Bible and that it hits you. Maybe you heard something and it stuck out to you. We know what you do when something sticks out to you. You meditate on it. You remember it. You write it down. You keep it in your memory. And this week you think about it over and over and over again. If something stood out to you today, take that nugget home and meditate on it. Let's pray and then we'll have our invitation. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for all you've done today. Lord, I pray that you'd just please bless us, Lord. I pray that you'd be with us. Lord, I pray that we would listen to the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit tells us something. Lord, I pray that we'd consider and thank you for the beautiful gift of salvation that you've given us. Help us to be a, a, live a godly life and treasure our godly life. Help us to be just. Help us to be devout. Help us to be filled with the Holy Spirit like Simeon was. Help us to know the will of God in our life and fulfill it like Simeon did. And Lord, help us to be prepared. As Christians, we're going to get persecuted. As Christians, we're going to get spoken out against. As Christians, people are going to hate us because they hate you. But Lord, help us to continue to be steadfast and faithful. And thank you so much for coming to this earth. Thank you for being born of that virgin. Because with that, you brought me eternal life. Because you, came, you were born that day, you lived for 33 and a third years, and you shed your blood on the cross. And Lord, you did that so I could go to heaven, and I thank you for that. Be with this invitation today. Help us to do your will. For us, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I don't know what you need today, but you do what the Lord has laid on your heart.